to the rap mobile. Let's go. You are listening to the hashtag This with the Beard podcast. Business that you've never heard America and the rest of the free world. Welcome to another episode of the podcast that is authentic, shameless, unapologetic, and raw. This is the hit business podcast, hashtag biz with the beard. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to witness the greatest happening in sports. Pepper needs new short. Oh. Business as you've never heard before. I'm your host, the man who thinks no shave November should be changed to amateur month. I am the beard. Kirby Smith. I can't even make eye contact with you right now. Your voice is like a combination of Fergie and Jesus. And joining me today is a man who has recently started sporting a beard, or at least the most recent photos I've seen of him, he's <laughs> been wearing a beard. Uh, he's, he's from San Carlos, California, the state where hashtag biz with the beard has more listeners than anywhere else in the world. Uh, he is a 25-year veteran in the software industry, which includes major success in sales, marketing, business development, product development, and customer success. He founded the international company Seligo, which is the leader in helping companies simplify how those companies integrate business applications together for a connected enterprise, which started from a garage in North California to where it is today, which is a large and diverse team working in six offices across the globe. Prior to that, he was a director at NetSuite and a graduate of University of Texas at Austin. He also turned me down for a job. Why isn't this an awkward moment? So, <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you, you boys, do and, remember. <laughs> boys and girls, <laughs> podcast listening friends, I'm honored to have on the hashtag Biz with the Beard podcast show, the CEO of Seligo, Jan Arnitz. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. That was quite the intro. But thank you. <laughs> yeah, I do remember you turning me down, so that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, things different happen times. for a reason, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jan, being a huge CEO of a large, major international tech company, I genuinely appreciate you coming on this podcast. And, and I know, you know, I'm not Joe Rogan. Uh, <laughs> in fact, being on this show for you is probably like being the fifth pallbearer on a four-handle casket. But regardless, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. Yeah. So I see in what I said earlier, in some of the photos, you're now sporting the beard, or you were there for a while. Um, being a CEO, does anyone ever say anything about that or – you know, the the story of the beard, uh, if I can digress for a second, yeah. was we were raising of a Series A round of capital back in 2015. And I think this was maybe in the summer of 2015. I hadn't shaved for a while. And then I just told myself just randomly, you know what, I'm not going to cut this off until we finish our round. Yeah. Um, once it's all done, we'll we'll do it. And of course, I got used to it, and it's been there ever since. Well, if you want to call it a beard, and by the way, I'm just dying to know what your beard looks like. <laughs> you haven't seen my photos? Oh, yeah, so the, probably. Uh, yeah, you need to go out there and take a look. I'll send you a couple. But I have a very thick beard, and uh, it has now become uh, 
yeah, part, well, it's the name of the podcast. It's kind of my shtick. But, you know, I'm so, but in the tech company, uh, in the tech world, I, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, your counterpart over at Twitter, Jack Dorsey, right? He was sporting a beard, a nose ring. <laughs> His oh, looks absolutely. his a little homeless look, I think, yeah, right? Uh, in in the tech world anything goes, right? So beard, no beard, no, no one really cares. So you saw his beard, right? It looks like he was testifying at a Wizards Alliance. <laughs> I, I did. I didn't recognize him when I saw some of the photos in the in the news headlines. I was like, Who is this guy? It, it looks like he's being um reminded me of Ted Kaczynski, if you remember yeah, the yeah, Unibomber. Yeah. Just a little bit, yeah. Just stick a little hood on him. I know he had the nose ring and everything. I was like, wow, well, there you go, Jack. Way to go, man. Yeah. <laughs> so let's shift gears here, man. Uh, do you get a lot of spammy sales emails? Lots. Yeah. What's the worst Especially sales? during the pandemic. Oh, yeah, I'm going to touch on that. Exactly. What's the worst sales pitch you ever got by email? Oh, there are, um, there are lots. Uh, I don't remember one in particular, but I know a certain style of, uh, emails, a sequence of emails that attempt humor, right? And so then they put uh, a little image <laughs> in there and say, I'm going to give you three options. You can do this, this, or you can shoot me or do something else. It's, it's just in poor taste. Right. Um, I, I don't, I don't mind looking at, uh, a sales pitch because clearly we're trying to reach prospects ourselves so it there's a certain science and an art in doing it and i do appreciate uh, a well-written email but uh, there's just a lot of crap out there yeah well and i, I think you really touched on with the pandemic right i have just seen an increase especially on linkedin and i've you know i've added the kind of this segment of the show is you know, which i call don't spam me bro and i kind of talk about some of the worst emails or sales pitches i get there and i, I you know this week you know, I kind of want to talk about the LinkedIn inbox and like you bring up it during the pandemic, it's just really increased. And, um, you know, in these sales pitches, I get my link box. It, it isn't really any one sales pitch, but the type of pitch I get from many, many people. And I call it the wham, bam. Thank you for connecting me, connecting with me. Uh -huh. man. You know what I mean? It, it's the quickie. Uh, <laughs> when I say a quickie, it's like you get a connection request and I'm all for that. You know, I love to expand my network and I want to learn from people. But then it's like immediately after, seconds after. Then the stopwatch starts. And right? It's, it's like, not right after, but there's a, a certain um, amount of time that goes by, perhaps it's a day, and then. then oh, I'm talking about day. the ones 30 seconds. It's like you can. Oh, really? It's like the immediate pitch right after the connection. I'm like, seriously? Just like a young man coming in for a quickie, I feel so unsatisfied. Uh, I mean, and I, you know, salespeople aren't going to stop their spamming ways. Um, once you you know get the cash request, but but I just I can't believe those. It just blows me away. I mean, do you get those a lot, or the, 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 you know, I, I I do, but uh, by the way, what do I call you? The beard? Yeah, you can call me curfew. Or the beard, wherever you want to call me. All right. So uh, there's a simple answer, right? Uh, don't accept if yeah. if you don't if you can't see through it, right? And that's what I try to do as much as possible. And and look, the people who are honest in the in the invitation email who say I want to connect with you for these reasons, sometimes I'll go ahead and accept it, even though I know there's going to be a, a sales pitch coming. That's fine. Right. There are lots that I just turned down. 
Well, exactly right. So I think the problem is with these messages, it's all about them. They're amazing business, who they are, and why I should stop what I'm doing right now, schedule a call to get with them right away. And I just think that's, like you said, poor taste, right? I have no problem getting on there. Now, I mean, I use LinkedIn to connect with people and to right. build my network. But what I usually do once I connect with them, I never, ever do a sales pitch. I'll ask them maybe a week later, two weeks later, and saying, hey, you know, I've been following you. Do you have a blog I could follow? Um, is there an email, you know, list that I could follow? Hey, do you want to be on my email list? Do you want to be on my blog? And from there, I'll expand. But it is never, you know, my thing is you got to create value at the very, you know, that's what you need to create value, establish some type of relationship where you can create that value. But, you know, I mean, who are you to sit there and uh, <laughs> right, but tell me I should stop? You own a business, right? Yeah. Uh, think about a quarter carrying salesperson who's got a number to hit and it's just a different perspective. Yeah. But I think, it, yeah, it, it is a different perspective and I guess it probably works, but man, that is, to me, that'd be burnout. I don't think I could do that. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't teach that. So. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate you, uh, giving me your feedback on that. And if you feel like I put you on the spot, I apologize, but, uh, uh I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you know, yeah, not at all. Yeah, actually I do, but that's okay. Um, all joking aside, <laughs> let's get down to business. You are a computer science tech student at UT Austin, right? And before right. I ask you about what you were thinking you were going to do at that time, take me back to Jan as a child slash teenager. When did you know you liked tech and it was something you were uh, passionate about? I didn't. Honestly, I um, I couldn't even spell tech if you ask me. My dad was an engineer. And so when you get these questions about what do you want to be once you grow up, um, since I didn't really have a good answer, it was like, yeah, I guess I'm going to be like my dad. Uh, the and and I was also really good at math, so so that helped. But honestly, the my story is I grew up in Sri Lanka, and I was looking to get out. Um, mm -hmm. And and by get out, I mean leave the the country. Uh, there was a civil war at that time. And also felt uh, a little uh, claustrophobic staying at home, um, large family, and I was looking for any ticket out, Right. and that ticket happened to be a degree in computer science, and that's literally how I ended up doing what I wow. did. And you fell in love with it, or is it something, I mean, was it a passion of yours once you got into it, or? Uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty interesting, right? So I I was I was good at it, good enough, I would say. Uh, where given my math background and uh, and what have you, it was easy enough to learn. But I think uh, even when completing my degree, in the back of my mind, I knew that this was not how I wanted to spend the rest of my life. Uh, and what happened was I got a job. My first job out of school was as somewhat of a hardcore product developer in a in a product company working with a bunch of guys who'd been around in in that team for five, six years. And I spent two years locked up in a cubicle or a small office <laughs> churning out code and and so look I I think I like to solve problems, and in 
in programming, it's uh, ultimately you're solving a problem and it can be fun. But it was really not fun to be um, shut out of the rest of the world. Right. You're not solving business problems, right? And it became very clear to me that um, this was the price that I needed to pay to get the right foundation for my career. But sitting there and writing code and taking directions from other people uh, without being able to question those mm -hmm. to a certain extent and understand ultimately, I'm doing all of this. How is it going to help? someone what's the the larger mandate what's the larger problem that we're trying to solve and that's where ultimately i wanted to be of course at that time i didn't quite know that it itself right but now looking back uh it was very clear to me that that was my my thought process so it's really important to you i mean to follow your passion right um, for your health and sanity in your life, because obviously that's what you've done now, right? You you kind of you paid, like you said, you paid the price, uh, but you shifted gears because there was something else that made you you felt there was a, there was something bigger that made you happy. Is that something you recommend with to everybody out there? Is to actually for their health and sanity, whether whatever job they're doing, is to follow that passion, do something you're happy about. Yeah, uh, certainly I'm not going to disagree with that. I think it means different things to different folks, though. That's so fine. if you really are passionate about something, then uh, it's likely that you will find a way to do it or even make an honest attempt. Uh, and, and the reason I, I say this is, um, of course, I speak to a lot of other founders, uh, folks who've started companies, and it's not easy, right? To go, no. especially starting a business, or e even chasing some of your other passions, when you have arguably another job and it pays the bills to to take risks, right? So, how strong is that passion? What's the risk that you're going to take? Uh, where you are in in life? Uh, for example, when when I left. NetSuite and decided to start a business, which was the precursor to the current legal business. I had a six-month-old, and it was not the most popular decision at that time mm -hmm. in the household. Uh, so, but I see some folks wanting to do something, but then they don't stick with it through thick and thin, and That's and exactly. they've checked the box though to say that, well, I tried it, uh, had some success, but I'm back to doing what I think is the most um safe choice yeah and there's you know like i said i'm not gonna disagree with that either but that is kind of sad i think sometimes people put too quick a time limits on things right they don't understand that it's not as easy as you think um it, it's not a nine to five job it is a seven day a week job right um there's not yeah. a sunday that's going by that i'm not doing some kind some type of work in the morning or late evening it's just the way it is but you know in, in Thinking about that, I'm sure I know you're the exact same way because you're the CEO of a large international corporation now. Do you ever just long to go back to a solutions architect or a developer? I think the short answer is is no, definitely not a developer. Right? That <laughs> yeah. is just absolutely. It's never even crossed my mind. It's like being there, done that. Uh, don't need to go back. Oh no. In terms of a solution architect, uh, and, and what that role means is essentially you're speaking with customers and architecting mm -hmm. solutions to business problems. Now, that's something that I do miss, and, and the part that I do miss is uh, the constant customer in 
interactions in in speaking with various either existing customers, prospects, understanding their business, understanding what they're trying mm-hmm. to do, and then being able to come back with with solutions. That said, uh, the fun part is to get on a on a call and discuss that. Uh, but there's a bunch of grunt work that needs to be done after you got to take notes yeah. you got to write it up you got to send emails you have to go through revisions and that stuff is not fun so the short answer is no i, do, I don't miss that yeah no i i fell into that too when i was a uh well i was in the banking world for 14 plus years i was a commercial banker and you know like you said i was out and about meeting different types of you know large companies getting to know their business how it works providing solutions for them and then i went off to be the chief operating officer and cfo of an international company which i thought would be you know, it's a great deal, but I did miss, you know, that interaction with meeting with different types of clients and providing solutions for them and, you know, sit behind the desk all the time. Really, it got to me after a while. I was like, man, I, I just need to get out and go and go visit somebody. I'm used to, you know, being on the road every day and, you know, meeting three to five clients and, you know, here I am behind this desk crunching numbers and, and, you know, it was fun, you know, solving those problems and being in those meetings, those problem solving meetings, uh, and, and, and expanding on what the company can do. But there was that sales part of it that I just, I, that interaction I missed tremendously. And then, and that was difficult. So, uh, being an entrepreneur now, I get to do that. And that kind of, you know, it all balances out for me, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, I would say the customer interaction, which the bigger you get as a company, then you've got so many other folks in the company mm-hmm. who handle that part. So you don't get to have the same conversation. Yeah. That's the only part that I do miss. Yeah. So you worked at NetSuite for three years prior. That's how we. That's how you and I got introduced because I think there was a NetSuite representative that introduced you and I, and that we used NetSuite at our company. Right. Um, and but you know, get back to this. My question. Sorry, I didn't mean to get off there. Uh, but you worked there for three years prior to you launching Celigo. When was it that you knew you wanted to do more and? How long did you plan that while you were at NetSuite? Or is that, are you allowed to answer that question? Uh, of course, yeah. Not a problem. So, look, uh, at that time, I think I was in my late uh, 20s. Uh, I'd become serious about my career, and I knew that I wanted to start a business, uh, a tech business. And so going into Internet Suite and arguably one of the reasons why I picked that job because I had a couple of other offers at that time as well and went to NetSuite because I thought it was pretty fascinating as to what they were doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was way back in 2003 uh, where most people didn't even know what SaaS was. There were just a handful of companies. So, So I had this this ambition that I want to start a business had some pretty pretty crappy ideas uh, and was looking for the right <laughs> idea the kind of the sweet spot to start a business and I joined NetSuite and literally within two to three months it became pretty clear that there is a business opportunity here NetSuite is a, a larger suite. They need to connect with various different other applications. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to be successful, they need um, this connectivity uh, with uh, the the rest of the, the tech world. And so, yeah, within about three to six months, I knew pretty much what I wanted to do. 
but stayed there for three years to to get the right experience, uh, learn the business, learn SaaS, so on and so forth. So basically, you found a need out there, right? You use you use your skills in an industry uh, that you're familiar with, and and it provided a solution. So, what would be the one piece of advice you would give to someone, a young entrepreneur or you know a young yon, who's maybe working at a tech company? What would be the one piece of advice you would give them before they made that leap? Yeah. So, is there anything you learned that you said, "I wish I would have done it this way"? Or, uh, yeah, there's there's always uh, looking back, you can say you could have done it differently. <laughs> I, by the way, I I chose a path uh, which is not the the road well traveled, which was to go start a business without funding it's the the hard road for sure and right. we ended up starting a consulting company running it for about five years then disbanding that and starting Saligo the the SaaS company uh, in 2011 so really so back, you you didn't do, you do it okay so you didn't do it with any startup money wow I did not know that and uh, no right so it was entirely self-funded which <laughs> uh, made it uh, it took something that's hard by nature and made it even harder right and uh, right because you you always have the this quintessential money problem that is in every single decision how do you hire your first set of employees how, how do you pay for that right mm -hmm. so on and so forth so so just wanted to point out that my path was a little bit different but look, in, in general, it goes back to some of the stuff that we talked about before. Uh, if you're going to start something, make sure that you've thought through it. You understand how, uh, how long you're going to give it. Um, if you fail, how long you're going to stick with it. Uh, being able to work that out in, in your head. And, and then, of course, making sure that you have support from the rest of your immediate family. I think right. that's, that's very really important. important. Uh, I cannot tell you how blessed I've been to have uh, a wife and, and now kids who are supportive of what I do because it is a, a different path. Well, and especially the path you went, right? I mean, that's, that's a conversation you need to have and make sure, you, like you said, you do have a good support system because, you know, you probably are making really good money and, you know, you said you had a six-month-old, right? And the reality was it's not going to be that way for a little bit. <laughs> when I say a little bit, it could be a couple of years, right? It's, uh, it's, it's all it's a, consuming. Right? Yeah, it's a it, big it sacrifice. You know, it's it's it a, it's a long game, right? Hey, we're not in this for the short game. It's a long game. So obviously it's worked out for you. What's the worst part about being a CEO of a large company now? And what's the best part about it for you? Right. So the the, the worst part is, I guess, it's as they say, it's lonely at the top. <laughs> uh, you have uh, you have a business to to run. You're responsible for uh, your employees, their well-being. Uh, everything doesn't go smooth every single day. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I like to say everyone's going to be doing it, right? So exactly. uh, there are lots of decisions that need to be made, and and sometimes it can be. It can be lonely, especially when things aren't going well. And I've had a few of those moments, more than a few. But I think that is also, for me, what is really exciting, right? Uh, what, what makes it great is that you get to run it 
you get to understand every detail of the business. Uh, you're and and if you're really trying to scale a business, which is what we're trying to do right now, and really take it to the next level, there can be five different ways to grow the business. What's what's right. the right way to do it? Uh, do you do you get into analysis paralysis to uh, try to figure it out? Do you take some risks, uh, place a number of bets, and see which ones <laughs> are going to get you the most results? Right. So that being able to make decisions and see it in in action is incredibly exciting right it, and seeing it come through fruition right I, that's absolutely that's what i love doing you know i someone asked me at the end of the day and i said you know what do you do what do you like about it and i said you know i have this one company that's been around for 40 plus years smaller company and you know it's a seven figure business want to get to eight figures never really had you know they just been up and down so we went in there and this last three months to watch them do a million dollars in revenue every single one of those months that they've never done before in the history of the business, which makes them, you know, now an eight figure business. That's, I get a kick out of that. That's where I sit oh, back and go, you know what? Hey, <laughs> it worked. Uh, <laughs> it is a, it's a long process, but you know, and you sit there and hopefully everything goes right. And it did. And, uh, you know, that's what's, you know, that's what's satisfactory for me. That's what gets, keeps me going. I, I love seeing those type of success stories. That's exactly it, right? Just being there in the moment and enjoying that success. Uh, it's, it just gets you going. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, a lot of that stuff, those type of decisions are big decisions and, uh, they're brave or bold decisions. And, you know, especially with this one, it's a 40 year old company. So they've been doing things the same way for so many years and to come in there and make them change and then embrace that change and to do it and to see it work. Yeah. Now you're like, okay, I don't have to worry about them, uh, <laughs> regretting paying me, you know, so that's, that it's a positive, but let's talk about Celago. Tell me and my listeners, you, you touched on a little bit earlier, about Celago, what you do, and what makes it different. Sure. So, first off, uh, I'm going to correct you. It's Celigo. Oh, my gosh. I am so sorry. It's Celigo. Ah, okay. No problem. No, no, wonder, problem. You, no wonder you didn't hire me. I could have pronounced the company right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> we, we, we don't want to talk about your interview, Kofi. <laughs> Just kidding. You don't have what they call the social skills. All right, so what we do is we uh, work with companies that have invested in the cloud, companies that have a certain critical mass of business applications running in the cloud, and we help those companies automate some of their business processes so that they will have a connected enterprise. So let me explain this through a quick example. Yeah. Most companies might have uh, what's known as a, a lead to cash type business process, right? You have prospective customers, you need to attempt to sell to them, you end up selling to them, you got to book the order, then you got to go ahead and invoice them, you got to collect payments, so on and so forth. And if you take that business process, which has been around forever, uh, these days with uh, the success of SaaS, that mm -hmm. particular business process might be splintered across many different SaaS applications. And we come in and we automate that and we connect all these apps together so that business process can be fully automated and um, there's not going to be any 
manual entry or looking at various different systems to be okay. able to function. That's cool. Well, give me a, can you give me an example of like one? Of, so if I had a NetSuite ERP system, right? What's an example? How, how you know, maybe I sell stuff on Amazon, eBay, who knows, whatever sure. type of platform. Tell me, how would you guys help me? Yeah, so, so let's say the business is you're selling widgets on uh, various different um, channels. It could be you might have a physical presence. You might be selling through your own web store. You might be mm -hmm. selling through Amazon and eBay, just as an example. Yep. And then you have an order management system or an ERP where you uh, get these orders and you ship the orders and then you have a general ledger so on and so forth. Uh, fairly common scenario in in that situation, we come in and we might connect your web store, your online presence, mm -hmm. with the order management system or the ERP. So when an order is right. placed, it comes directly in. When it's shipped, it goes back and updates the portal on your web store to inform your customer that it has been shipped. Same thing with the likes of an Amazon. Uh, then you might have other third parties who are doing your fulfillment and you may need to send uh, the orders as they come in so that that third party can go ahead and ship it, so on and so forth. Lots of examples there. Yeah, no, great, I appreciate it. So how do you see, is the company gonna, you, do you see the company changing at all in a couple of years or, or, and if so, how do you see yourself creating that change? Right, so I think for us, the, uh, we are at a certain inflection point. Uh, we started in 2011 then decided to go ahead and entirely replatform and build a new product uh, in 2014. Started in 2014 and then went to market in 2016 with uh, a fairly nascent product and then took another good two, three years to go put the finishing touches on that. Um, by the way, looking back, that was the single best decision we made yeah. as a company. Uh, now we have uh, an incredible platform incredible product that's good for the next 15, 20 years. And it's it's now all about scaling the business. Uh, it's a space that is uh, highly in demand. What we do, uh, we feel like uh, there's also uh, a so-called maybe changing of the guard. Uh, there are a number of other legacy integration vendors in our sector were uh, products that were built 10, 15 years back. We are definitely a next-gen product where we uh, cool. look at today's needs and we've built a product based on today's needs and tomorrow's needs. So uh, it's now about really scaling the business. We have uh, many different ways we can grow the business. That's the example that I cited before. We can expand in different verticals, different um SaaS ecosystems, um, various different business processes, whether you go international or not, whether you OEM or you sell direct to end customers, right? So plenty of go-to-market decisions that uh, we can make. And, and so in the next couple of years, it's, it's really hiring the right team, having the right leaders, and being mm -hmm. able to execute on, on that, given that uh, the addressable market is humongous. Uh, that's not a concern for us. It's every decision we make now is going to have an impact sometime down the road. Fantastic. It be magnified. So we want to make sure that we we make the right choices. 
So you've been doing this since the mid 2000s, right? What would you say is your biggest three accomplishments with the business? And in tag on that, what would you say is your three biggest failures? Or what is your biggest? You don't give me three failures, but um. yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I can give you three accomplishments either. But look, so what's so your big, think, yeah? Uh, what's your biggest accomplishment? Your biggest failure from the company or professional career? Yeah, so let's let's talk about the company. So I think. Uh, there are lots of companies out there that go build lots of products, some that solve small problems, some that solve bigger problems. And I think I'm really proud to know that we, our software is being used by thousands of companies. Just some of the examples we, we talked about in terms of selling online, I can go on Amazon and order something and I get a package and I open up the package and I see the name and I go, oh, that's one of our customers, That's and awesome. in order for this package to come to me, it used our software. We are kind of the operating system, so to speak, for that business because we are the one, we have all the plumbing. Right. And seeing this in action, uh, and knowing that we have uh, thousands of mid-market companies that absolutely rely on us day in day out, I think. Uh, all things considered, is the the greatest accomplishment. Yeah. That, that's got to be really cool, right? You said open the book, open the box. You know it came from. That's that's really flipping cool. That is cool. Yeah, I remember the first time that happened. I think I got a pair of uh, sandals, and I was like, "Oh, that's a customer." And <laughs> I don't even check anymore because, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. What's the big, biggest so, fail, biggest failure? Uh, biggest failure is. It's easy to see this now once you've done it. Uh, if I had to do it again, I would really um, invest in in people. I think when we got started back in 2011, I didn't quite understand the impact of how the right team, the right people can make such a massive difference right and and again so we're bootstrap we're trying to work within a, a fairly small budget um hiring is is always a problem but if i had to do it again i would really emphasize and prioritize the hiring process to get the best possible talent if you have the right people it makes such a big difference in that uh they're not necessarily going to do what you ask them to do they're always going to question Mm -hmm. as to why we're doing things a certain way. And, and those can be the senior leaders or it can be any other employee who's just an individual contributor. Uh, and once you hire those employees and you see the difference, mm -hmm. it, it becomes just so clear. Absolutely. And I, I don't think this is something that I did particularly well. Luckily, I think my mindset has changed. Uh, back in the day, I thought I could do pretty much anything, and uh, but clearly, one person does not scale, right? So, that's that's I think absolutely. The I agree with you one hundred percent because I will talk to company leaders, CEOs all the time of businesses when we go in there, and when they hire individuals just to do what they want them to do, they don't understand why they get the bare minimum, but they don't want to be challenged either. And I said, but if you get challenged, that's what you need because they're going to bring different ideas. It's almost like a bottom up approach. I love the bottom up approach, right? Let people, you know, 
find out what they're thinking about the processes em- or empower them, empower right? them. Correct. And it doesn't mean you're giving up power. You're just built. You just got to build a scope in which they need to work from, but empower them. You know, I give lose control a little bit, right? Because you will have a much bigger benefit. That's a, that's, that's a great point, man. I appreciate you sharing that with me. That was great. Of course. So you mentioned funding earlier and it's something you didn't do and you wish you would have done it. And it's an idea in business and it's difficult. How did you approach it? I mean, what point did you say, all right, we need to go get funding and raising money and what piece of advice that you feel is the most useful for people looking to find investors? Yeah. So raising uh, capital is complicated, especially if you've not done it before. I had not done it before. So there's a fair bit of learning to do. But look, uh, I'm going to start by saying at some point you're going to know that you need money. Uh, and, and that can happen for many different reasons. It might be right at the onset where you want to raise a seed round. Uh, you might want to first go build a prototype uh, and then be able to show it before you raise capital. Whatever the case is, you will know for sure there's going to be a certain set of events that's going to drive you towards we need to raise capital and then without even doing any modeling, roughly you're going to know I'm going to need about this amount of money. Right. So you you get there. Then there is just a, a whole process to to go through. Are you being courted by investors who are coming to you versus are you going to try to go pitch what you have? With With us, since we were bootstrapped for about four to five years, we had investors coming to us because, of okay. course, the integration space was was uh, starting to become relevant and and start starting to heat up. So we had lots of inbound inquiries coming in, so we didn't have to go through that whole uh, process of trying to do outbound um, type selling. Uh, it, the, I think, the hardest part. Um, if there's one thing I would say is ultimately how can you whittle down what you're doing? Your your product market fit, uh, your go-to-market strategy and why you're going to succeed, how you're going to be different, is there enough room for you to grow, what's the addressable market, mm-hmm. to be able to put that whole story together. It might be in your head. You might know the answers, but to put it in a deck and more importantly be able to speak to that Right. It's not easy. No. You can you can go look at lots of templates uh, and and sure you can get the slides done, but to be able to make that pitch, that took me uh, a while to be able to really and and also understand what investors are looking at because this is new, right? And right. and so you have to learn, you have to study and learn from call to call. And uh, I think towards the end when we raised our Series A round back in 2015, towards the end, uh, I felt like I could speak with pretty much any investor and get them hooked and get them interested enough to get fairly deep into the conversation, which was not the case at the start. So you just got to be patient right. and try to get as much mentorship as possible if you uh, if you know people who've done it, uh, because it's it's a hard road there. Yeah. No, absolutely. And like you said, that is not an easy thing to do, right? You have your pitch deck. There's, you know, a certain amount of slides and there should be no more. Uh, and each slide has an objective and you have to be able to basically 
sell that next appointment or next step in 10 to 15 minutes. That's all you got, right? I mean, their time's precious, and it's that's very, very difficult. And uh, yeah. you mess up, <laughs> that's it. Uh, so, no, that's great, great advice. Yeah, and, and by the way, funding gets easier as you get bigger, right? Because mm -hmm. you don't have to sell the idea of the business. You, you don't have in. to sell uh, why you're going to be successful. Of course, you have to do that. But it's it's now more of a, it's not a pitch rather than just talking about the business. Mm -hmm. It's just a regular conversation. But if you're early stage seed round or uh, Series A, uh, and, and depending on what you're doing, the space sometimes you have to sell both the space and your product, your company, right? Yeah. And and that's not easy. No. Uh, no. At the start. So what's the future hold for you and your company? What do you want your legacy to be? What do you, what does Yon want his legacy to be? So let's, let's talk about the company. We are a company, as I've said here in this session, massive addressable market. We're not a company who's looking to get acquired. Uh, we're not looking for the, the quick return. Mm -hmm. We're blessed to have investors as well in the various rounds that we've done that are really well aligned. So we, we took some uh, care in picking our investors as well. So we are in this for the long term. Uh, we want to be an independent company and, and uh, get to whether that's an IPO. These days, IPOs don't really mean a whole lot. So, so that's the journey. And uh, for me, it's, it's really simple. If, if you whittle everything that we do, the, the mantra is we want to make integration of various apps as simple as possible and allow not only IT type users, but also what we call tech savvy business users to come in and be able to build these integrations out. And I want to see that happen at scale. So we've, we've done it for a few thousand customers, but we can, we think we can do it for thousands, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of, of companies. That's awesome. And that's ultimately has been my obsession. And once I feel like we've, we can do it at scale, uh, and it's easy enough for anyone to come in and use our product to solve this problem and kind of live that best of breed SaaS model, then then that's that's the end goal for me. Not necessarily as to what the exit valuation is going to be. Of right. course, it's all important things for everyone who's a, a shareholder. But uh, for me personally, solving that at scale is what keeps me going day Damn. in day out. Fantastic. Well, that's that's great, Jan. This has been great. I, mean, I don't know if you're paying attention, but we are winding down here. We've been going on for close to an hour, so uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, but before I let you go, I have to play a game with you, and I apologize for not warning you in advance. And if you haven't heard okay. the show, uh, <laughs> I'm not, and I'm not very good at playing games. But well, I'm this, give but it a, this is a fun game. We want to get to know Jan more personally, okay, so wow. it's now time to play. Let's get to know Jan. What I'm going to do is ask you 10 questions rapidly, and you have to answer wow. as fast as you can. Are you all right with this? Okay. Are you ready? I'm good. I'm good. All right. What's the weirdest thing you've ever seen in someone's home? Weirdest thing. Oh, shit. <laughs> 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 and, 
That's right. You can say shit. No, we're on a podcast. Um, so okay. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, a gun where it shouldn't be. A gun where it shouldn't be. Okay. Who's your celebrity crush? I probably should not ask that question. You're out in California. Uh, that could be dangerous. Okay. Uh, <laughs> my wife knows all of these, so I'm going to go with um, Uma Thurman from uh, way back in the 2000s. That's a good one. That's a good one. I like that one. I remember Uma. Yeah. If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Um... To be able to see the future a little bit, maybe just, uh, the, the next few days. Just to make you a little more dangerous, right? That's right. <laughs> I sent him into the future. Have you ever cried in a movie? And what was the movie? I've cried in a movie. Um, the recent one, I'm not sure if I cried, but I had tears, was the, the movie about... Um, this couple who go through a bitter divorce. It was on Netflix, um, but I'm forgetting the name. It was something, married something. Oh, I think I know it, was, it has, uh, oh gosh. Adam, uh, Adam Driver's in it. Yeah, right? What is the name of that movie? Yeah, I totally, I have not seen raw, that yet. Raw, raw I need movie. to watch that. I wanted to watch it, it but it, I forgot to. It, it is just a phenomenal movie. If you were a fighter or a boxer, what would be your walkout song to the ring? Gosh, I'm a massive music fan, so I can't give you an answer on this because I have to go through a whole process to think about this. But um, I'm going to go with uh, uh, Iggy Pop. Um, nice. That's a good one. Um, and uh, the song, now I'm forgetting the title. Hey, you're coming out to Iggy Pop. That's a, that's a good. One. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you off on just that. That's awesome. I would, okay. That's not what I expected. That's good. That, that's one that I have to think about quite a bit. Before I can. I'll have to come with ten choices and then wind it. Yeah. Do you have a nickname? And what is it? And why? If not, what would it be? Ah, oh, that's a great question. I don't think I've ever had a nickname. What nickname do you want? What do you want to be called? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to pass on that one. You're going to pass on that one? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to start something here. Start something, yeah. No, I uh, I had my nicknames, uh, gosh, in college was Kerf Dog. We'll, we'll let that just lay there. So um, what's your biggest pet peeve? Something that just drives you nuts. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple, if that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. People who are flaky, that just uh, it absolutely kills me, and people who are not accountable. Oh, good one. So I think they go hand in hand, right? Yeah, One exactly. Not the other. What's something you're really bad at? Uh, lots. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick uh, one that I'd like to be good, but I'm not good. Singing. Singing, really? Do you like to yeah. sing? I do. Uh, certainly, I can carry a tune in my range, uh, but uh, I just I I think I'm just terrible. So next time we have you on, we're going to have you sing Iggy Pop. Is that okay. Right? <laughs> I, I don't think that's setting the bar that high. No. So, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, who's your favorite athlete and why? Okay, so this is also an area that's near and dear to me. I don't know if I have one favorite. Uh, I, I watch a lot of different sports. I'm going to pick based on today's um, field, I'm going to pick LeBron James. Okay. And uh, typically I'm, um, 
if you ask my family, they'll say, why do you support LeBron James? Because you always go with the underdog. I just love his story on yeah. how he uh, didn't have literally a home growing up, slept in, on various different couches. Yep. And uh, there's one statement that he's made that has stuck with me, uh, which is he said often, I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Uh, just to be here and have a chance to play the game alone is the odds were incredible. And, and then to look at what he's done is, I think, phenomenal. I'm going to gonna change my 10th question. So since you said LeBron James, who's the okay. GOAT, MJ or LeBron? So uh, these days there's so much talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I, for, for now, even though I'm, I'm a fan of both, I will go with Michael Jordan. Uh, but uh, I think if LeBron were to win one more title in the next couple of years, he, I he think might surpass I mean, him. You're right. So that I get asked that question all the time, and you know I'm just a huge MJ fan because I grew up in Chicago, and well the Chicago area, you know Illinois, and I grew up watching. I never missed a Bulls game. Yeah. And there, and I've watched LeBron, and LeBron is just you know he is just a man child physically. He is just you know he is a prototype, you know perfect basketball player, right? What he can do. And that's just amazing. He has some amazing accomplishments. But man, when I look at Michael Jordan, there is a insanity around his drive for perfection and everybody else around. And I'm not saying that's out of healthy that's, either. That's it. And it's just this mindset. It was just, he wants to win at everything. It doesn't matter, right? He, right. he constantly wants to beat you. Uh, never takes a night off. He had a slight against everyone, even his Hall of Fame speech, right? Yeah. Which I thought was terrible. But yeah. <laughs> it just gives you uh, a little window into the guy's mind. It's he a little is, psychotic, right? <laughs> yeah. And and LeBron can be too much of a nice guy, I think. There, but there are different personalities. Yep. I think LeBron does a lot that uh, uh, Jordan didn't do. So, so, yeah, it's a very interesting contrast yeah yeah and the game's different and it, than it was uh, you know so um but hey i appreciate it and thanks for playing the game um this has been extremely fun and a very intriguing show and i appreciate you sharing your most interesting stories and theories in business and life um truly appreciate your time and thrilled that you decided to come on the show today man i really really do appreciate it. if you're ever in atlanta i'd uh, love to meet up with you and talk some more if that's okay with you of course, we'll do. Hey, Kofi, thanks for the invite. Enjoyed the session. Keep it up. Yeah, man. Uh, before I sign off, is there anything you want to plug? Plug? Uh, yeah. Sure. Any, yeah. A- anyone listening to the show who is using various different business applications, and if you want those applications connected, the first name that you should think about is Saligo. We can help you. There we Get go. Get more out of your investments. There we go. Thank you. Thank you, Jan. Thank you for coming on to hashtag biz with the beer podcast. Much love, success, and positive vibes to you. Um, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the show at anchor.fm biz with the beard, then share it with your friends on all your social media pages. Don't forget while you're on anchor subscribing, if you want to feature your business by sponsoring a future episode or help support the show, all you have to do is hit listener support and we can feature you or your business at the beginning of the show. You can also contact me directly to be title sponsors at curfee at acsexec.com. 
As always, I'm grateful to all our listeners who tune in on all the amazing podcast platforms out there, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and about every other single one that's out there. And that's it. Another show is in the books, but never fear. The beard will always be here until next time. Same beard time, same beard channels. Thank you for listening to hashtag biz with the beard. Remember, every genius idea starts with the stroke of a beard. Have a successful day. Hey, hashtag biz with beard and bald fans. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was brought to you by ACS Executives. Let me ask you something. As an entrepreneur or business owner, are you tired of struggling with running your business? Do you feel you can drive more revenue, improve your profits, and run more efficiently if you had a little help? Well, you are not alone, and there is a solution for you. Like many small businesses, as the owner, you wear a lot of hats. And why wouldn't you? You started this thing, so you were very careful and particular about it. Well, at ACX Executives, we do a deep dive into your business to help your business grow revenues, improve profits, acquire capital, and run more efficiently. We just don't point out problems. We help you resolve them through our family of companies and the solutions they provide. We share some of the best practices and processes and coach you and your team through them. Our suite of quality products and services will help you get there quickly and smoothly. That's how we ensure your success. So visit us at acsexec.com or call us at 1-800-495-6505 and schedule a free 30-minute consulting assessment. Have a successful day and we hope you enjoy today's episode of Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald.